to her folly through mid on for four. Jeffrey Bolter, 100-100, the place to get it here on his home ground at Heavenly. Got it! Got it! Well deserved, a magnificent delivery from Darren Goff. Must be very close to five. Got him! What a patch this is for Ryan Sidebottom. Welcome to the Covers Off podcast from Yorkshire County Group Club. I'm Tim Breslin. I'm back with Richard Pyra this week. Rich, everything all good? All good, mate. Yep, all good. Uh, finished the painting. All done. Actually built a gym this week. Um, oh, nice. Trying to, trying to keep fit in the garage. I had uh, quite a bit of memorabilia, which I've just stashed in the garage. So put that on the wall and uh, resembles a gym now. Happy days. You got a big mirror so you can check yourself out being the most, you know, the vainest man that Gaz has played with. Well, I, I don't. I don't need a video. I just. I just record it and send it straight to Gaz. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on it Instagram. Is, it didn't happen. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm keeping Gaz updated on my on my vein posts, uh, like you said. So we'll get him back for that. Don't worry. Yeah, you will. I'm sure. Uh, right, John. Uh, John. Talk about, a little bit about our next guest this week's. Yeah, really excited about our next guest. Uh, as a as a big Leeds fan as well. As we know, all cricketers want to be footballers, but the footballers want to be cricketers. That's the question. Our guest today is a big Yorkshire fan and a keen cricketer, but also has played 680 professional football games and has 23 caps for England. Yeah, that's right. Um, he was the first million-pound goalkeeper and became a Leeds United legend, having played 207 times for the club, including the successful Champions League run in 2000 and 2001. And now, apparently, a dodgy wicketkeeper and batter. Um, and I have seen him in action. Uh, <laughs> delighted to welcome Nigel Martin. Welcome, Nigel. How are things, mate? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Um, welcome I to the covers thought, off. Yeah, thank you. I thought Rich would give me a better um, bit with the wicket keeping as I did take a catch stood up to him uh, at Weatherby a few years ago, but he's, he's he obviously did. forgotten that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, one of my best spells, so I tried to raise that from my mind, but. <laughs> yeah, he's quite handy with the gloves, I remember, actually. He stood up, didn't you, to all the seamers? No helmet on, old school. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've since been told by my wife now that I have to wear a helmet because she says, you know, as I'm getting older, it's probably a bit wiser to wear, to wear something, so I do now. find I've it actually, terrible. I've, I've actually got a bone to pick with you because I've seen a few photos of you keeping wicket. And every time I see a photo of you keeping wicket, you've got a short sleeve shirt on. And I'm sorry, oh, but... Oh, no. That, that is really... As a footballer, you know you can't go in net with a short sleeve shirt. I know. I I, I realised that it's um, the club. I, I I bought all the club shirts and things like that, but they don't do a long sleeve. <laughs> so uh, I I'd, I'd wear like an Under Armour or something underneath that's white, but even that's wrong, isn't it? So uh, I'm. Uh, you I was actually go... looking this season to to you buy a full uh, a long uh, a long sleeved shirt from somewhere to make sure that I, I did appear correct. You could try the uh, the Ridley Jacobs approach with the old long sleeve jumper. That would be all right, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really good if it's thirty degrees. <laughs> I could go old school. You know, you go to a few dinners. Why don't you just wear your breast, your white dress shirt? That's a that's a good idea. But mind you, if the ball hit the cufflink, that could be a problem, couldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brilliant. I suppose. So, Nige, um, as we do with all our, our guests who have they've all been cricketers so far, they, they've told their uh, their story, their journey into professional cricket. So, it'd be really good to just to get a different uh, perspective and you know from a different world of sports. So, just give us your insight of um, you know how you, how you got into professional football, where you started, and and how it all came about. Bit of a strange one, really. Uh, left school. Wasn't playing. Uh, I was playing cricket, but wasn't playing any football when I left school at 16. My brother's works team was short of a goalkeeper for one particular Saturday. Uh, my brother mentioned that I was quite handy when I uh, played over the park and they asked me to play. So I played for them for a couple of seasons, really enjoyed that in a very, very low level league in Cornwall. Got picked up a couple of years later and, and played more senior football in Cornwall so probably the, the the highest league in Cornwall played two seasons there and then a guy that owned a carpet shop in St Blasey which is the team I was playing for knew the tea lady at Bristol Rovers and he rang her and said we've got a half decent goalie here that perhaps you should be looking at 
she um, walked into Jerry Francis's office because he was the manager at Bristol Rovers and he said, well, get him up for a trial. He can stay at yours. So that's what I did. I came up and had a trial for two days and played half a game on the Saturday and was signed straight after the game. That, that is random. It's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. So you've got your professional career to thank for a tea lady. Yeah, a tea lady and a guy that owned a carpet shop. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you actually, did you actually stay with the tea lady? I did. I stayed with the tea lady for those, for those two. The, I, I trained on the Thursday and the Friday. And then we went to the game on the Saturday and I played the first half. And um, then Jerry Francis came up to me and asked me how much I was earning. Um, so being switched on, I sort of said, well, including my overtime, I'm on 95 <laughs> quid a week. And he offered me 10 quid a week more. And, that is um, brilliant. And I went. Were the, teas, were the teas any good at the tea lady's house? Uh, I've got to be honest, right? <laughs> uh, so I was, I was going to get married that, that uh, summer. Uh, the 22nd of August is when I should have been getting married, which... Um, would have clashed with Sunderland away, funnily enough, for Bristol Rovers. So um, I, I, I went up and stayed and started training. Uh, Amanda, my wife, was, was still down in Cornwall trying to reorganise everything down there. And I stayed, I did stay with the tea lady, but portions were not, <laughs> were not very big. And, and when mm. you were training really hard, I needed more food. So I'd, I'd uh, sneak out and say, I'm just going to ring my wife and go to the... Uh, payphone somewhere and buy fish and chips as well. <laughs> <laughs> down, really? down the road to the trucker's calf for a trucker's salad. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a great story that though. It's, you know, you, we hear so many stories of people coming, coming through academies and learning this and learning that, but to be picked up in a professional sport just like that is it's brilliant. Well, I, I, I don't know if it can happen these days because everything goes through academies now. Um, you know, they pick up the youngsters from a really young age um, and try and, you know, take them through on the pathway. Um, I guess being in Cornwall is not really, a, you know, a hotbed of uh, footballing talent coming from there. So, you know, you've, you've got to be extra lucky, I think, if you come from that part of the world just to, just to get an opportunity. So do you, do you count it as luck then? Or do you count it as right place, right time? Or you yeah, I, obviously you yeah. were bloody hard to get to where you were from you know where you came from it's it was it was pure luck to start with and and being in the right place at the right time you know being at that club um and obviously those two people knowing each other but once I got there I was very determined so it was just a lot of hard work so when I was at Bristol Rovers it was literally finish the training session and then I'd do an extra hour after training every day um, with the physio who was uh physiotherapist slash goalkeeping coach um and he used to just basically just beast me for an hour but you know i i, I wanted to work hard i wanted to be better so you know it's all worth it Absolutely. you think you think that was an advantage though Nad? you know not going through an academy or anything like that and just probably being more of a natural goalkeeper and going straight into senior football yeah definitely i mean i was playing men's football from sort of 16 and a half or whatever and you grow up very quickly in that sort of environment you know I played with players that taught me very quickly how to look after myself in that sort of standard of football and yeah. um, you know that's that's what you need um, leading into uh, playing uh, professionally but and no I wouldn't have I wouldn't have changed my route in um, it's very grounding you know I was doing 12-hour shifts in a plastics factory at the time when I signed uh, my contract or before I signed my contract so um, I know what it's like on the other side so um, I think those years that I had from leaving school going out to work for sort of five years was um, very grounding and it's uh, an important part of, uh, of your life skills really. So from obviously working in a plastics factory to not long after I'm guessing the first million pound goalkeeper that must have carried quite a bit of pressure with it. Do you know Coming from Cornwall and everything, uh, I, was, I was at Bristol Rovers for about two and a half seasons. So it was like the November of 89 when the, the move to Crystal Palace happened. And it was the first million pound move for a goalkeeper. And all the papers were writing things. And, and when I was interviewed, I just kept answering the same way. I sort of said, well, it's not my valuation. I wouldn't value myself at that, that much. And tried to put the pressure back on the, the people that, you know, paid it really, which was, which was Palace. And, and just sort of yeah. said, you know, I don't think any players worth that amount of money but you know you know they paid it. it now so I'll, I'll, just do, I'll, I'll just do my best and that's that's, that's what you do so as uh, as two big big Leeds fans here Nigel can you just tell us a bit about your, your Leeds time and I know you you did Howard Wilkinson sign you at um, late 90s um, yeah. and then 
And then you went on to that famous Champions League run as well, didn't you? Which uh, I, it was a big part of my childhood, and I remember it pretty well. So it gives a bit of insight into the greatest club in the land. Um, yeah, it was um, July '96. I was driving up the motorway to sign for Everton, and uh, we got a message as we were driving up that Leeds had matched Everton's bid. So uh, my agent sort of said, well, you should speak to both clubs. The preferred choice at the time was to go to Everton because my wife had family uh, uh, that were living in that area and it was a good way of um, becoming used to an area, I guess. And we went to to Everton and my agent said, oh, by the way, Leeds have matched the bid. Nigel's going to be travelling across to see them later on. And the guy that was, it was one of their um, directors who was uh, doing the deal and he just sort of panicked and said, oh, right, well, if you want to go to Leeds this time of night, uh, it was over on the Wirral somewhere where we'd, we'd met and he said you need to get through the Mersey Tunnel pick up signs for M62 but you want to get a move on because the traffic gets really busy around this time <laughs> so he literally <laughs> just, just gave me well. directions and uh, I came over to the Majestic in Harrogate and met uh, Bill Fotherby and um, and Howard and they, there was no way they were going to let me go back uh, across to, to Everton so ended up signing that night and uh, it was uh, it was a great club to come into you know they they just lost in the final the League Cup final the season before but I think the team was in transition at that point um, and, and Howard got the sack comes probably five or six games into the next season which is a little unsettling when you've uh, You've just yeah. moved to a new club, but George Graham came in, and and for me personally, it was it was a good thing because he he makes us very defensively sound to start with, so it made my job a lot easier. And I think George is the one that put all the building blocks down for the sort of success, if you like, that that David had later on. It was it was really um, George that had put everything in place and got you know good senior players, and was just starting to bring those youngsters through when you know when he decided to go to Tottenham. I have to tell you, football is just a different world, isn't it? Can you imagine going to Sanford Derby, Rich, and Derby manager giving you signs to, uh, like directions to Leicester? Like, it's, why are you picking two uh, smallest clubs, Brez? Are you trying to say something to me? Why couldn't no, you I'm, say, oh, why, why are you, you know, trying to sign for Surrey? Or... I don't know, mate. That's it. They're quite close to each other, <laughs> sort of equidistant. Like. <laughs> yeah, I get think, it, I get it. Why are you so sensitive? Like, since Gaz <laughs> called you really vain, you've become really sensitive. <laughs> Like. <laughs> no, it is a different world. It is. It's um, for one, we we won't be meeting at majestic hotels, but we will be we'll be <laughs> we'll be meeting at cafes and things like that. But yeah, it's a it's a completely different world. It's a great. It's great. It's good to hear the other side, though. You know, we've we've grown up in in cricket all our lives, but to to hear a different different side of that, is, you know, it's brilliant. Just just nudge that we're starting to see the the fan base come back now at Leeds. You know, with you know a bit of success in the last couple of years and pushing for promotion, but. When you're having that success in the Champions League, the, the fan base must have been unbelievable then. Yeah, I mean, well, every game was sold out in the Premier League and obviously Champions League nights were, you know, hottest ticket in town really, weren't they? You know, we, we were yeah. quite lucky with some of the draws that we got. You know, you get Barcelona, Real Madrid, AC Milan. I mean, the AC Milan game, I don't know if you went to that one when Lee Bowyer scored and the goalie sort of pats it between his legs. Um, and yeah. We win 1-0, but that's... That's just about as loud as uh, in a stadium that I've ever been in. That that night when that goal went in, it just erupted. It was just yeah. an incredible moment. Because, you know, as excited as players as we were about playing in the Champions League, we didn't really think, to you know, if we were being honest, that we'd get very far. Um, so to come out the first sort of group stages at the expense of Barcelona um, was was a a, re- a really big thing, and and then you go into the next group, and you know it's Anderlecht and it's uh, Napoli, I think, and um, and Real Madrid, and you think, wow, you know we're going to go to some yeah. great grounds, but again, not thinking we're going to come out, and again we sneak out, and then quarterfinals, we got probably the best draw that we could have got. Um, I, I know they said that they were happy with their draw, but two different games you couldn't have, you know, against Deportivo at home, we absolutely killed them at home. Three um, yeah. nil, and the return fixture was in a complete reversal. They absolutely murdered us, and uh, you know we we just about sneaked it and uh, got over the line. So to get to a semi final was miles away from where we thought we would be. But once you're there, you you know you 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 want to do well. The home leg we actually played quite well, but their goalie actually had a good game. And then the away leg, it just they they score with a guy who knocks the ball in with his arm as it goes across him and the ref doesn't see it. And then the second half, 
Uh, it just we sort of imploded really. Uh, Smithy getting sent off and and yeah. uh, you know didn't didn't put our chances away when we got them. Sounds a bit like our uh, our warm up football games, Brez. You know when when <laughs> um, when oldies are getting a little bit tired second half and they give it away yeah. to the young ones. Yeah, I, I, I hear you, Rich. I hear you. Um, I think obviously that sort of run and that era inspired a generation, and then obviously for Leeds to well, let's call it a capitulation uh, from team and club point of view to where we were, to where we are now. That must obviously be quite frustrating for an ex, ex-Leeds United player. Is yeah, Obviously, I mean, the future's quite positive. So could you just sort of explain you know, your feelings from where it, where it was, where you were going through and then to now? Yeah, because, I mean, I, would, I was there and I guess that's our, our high point, you know, finishing third in, in the Premier League and then, you know, going on that um, Champions League run. You know, that's... And the season before getting to the semi-final of the uh, uh, UEFA Cup as well. So, yeah. you know, that was that sort of the high point. And then, you know, to see it go downhill so quickly. As players, you're not aware of how much money's getting spent and, and you know, on what and on who. You know, we heard all the rumours of players coming in. The players that were coming in that were being bought at that time, um, the stories were, you know, what they were earning was like, two or three times more than whatever everyone else you know the original players there were earning so it was all it was all a bit strange but they were obviously building and trying to compete with man united i think and then you know just one qualification failure if you like not to get into the champions league um and everything just fell around you know fell around us players were being sold left right and center and you know it, it was a strange time you know money was was really bad you know we we were asked not to um you know not to take our wages for a you know, a couple of months, so which players did, and it 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 sort of became a bit of a strange place. Personally, for me, I then didn't go on a on a tour to the uh, Far East and Australia and everything for a pre-season when Terry Venables had taken over. Um, I just come back from the World Cup in Japan and Korea in 2002, and came back after I think I had 11 or 12 days off, and I needed I needed longer, so. Terry Venables was in charge, but hadn't arrived at the club at this point. And Eddie was in charge. And Eddie Gray just sort of said, look, you know, we're going on this trip. And I went, Ed, you know, I'm, I'm knackered. I, I need to be at home for a little bit longer. Uh, is there any chance I can, you know, just miss the pre-season trip? You know, I'll come in and work here, but I need to spend some time at home as well. And he said, I don't think so. So a, a telephone call was arranged. I was halfway through a training session. I was told to go in. Uh, Terry would be ringing me. So I'm standing there covered in mud in the manager's office and pick up the phone and Terry goes, what's this? You're not going on the pre-season tour. And I go, Terry, you've been an England manager. You know what it's like. I've worked socks off all season, gone straight to a World Cup, gone right through. I've had like 11 days off. I need longer. And he said, he just said to me, um, well, if you, if you don't come on the trip, you won't play for the club again. And, uh, and he was right. <laughs> I never did. And uh, so as I, as I came out, I came out of the office and uh, said to his secretary, well, you know, he's been the manager for a few days now. Where is he? And she went, oh, he's just away filming. Wish you were here. <laughs> 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 so... Um, <laughs> That's the football world for you, isn't it? I was, it was just a bizarre time. And then, you know, I came that back. Judas and that Judas Chalmers' job? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, I, was, I was ostracised all pre-season and they played Robbo. Robbo came in that season, had a good season personally. And we stayed up with a win at um, Arsenal, I think, um, when Peter Reid had taken over. But I spent the whole season on the bench that year. And then the following season, did pre-season and everything at the club. And then... Everton came in for me in, um, when was that? September 2003. But, you know, I went to Everton and was at a club that didn't have as talented players, but Everton fade up that year and Leeds went down. And it was just, if if the managers had put the players in place that that knew how Leeds played and and played a different way, we we would have stayed up definitely. But you know it was it was all part of a new um, system and everything, and it it just didn't work. But it, it's really sad to see you know going down to Division One and then coming back and how how long it's taken. But I think with the new owners and certainly this manager, they've brought the club closer together with its supporters, and I think that's been so so important to. You know the relative success they've had on the pitches because they're now 
uh, involved with their supporters again, like like we were in our day. Um, I just think they got a bit detached um, for a few years, and the, and the boys are, are are on the pitch and they're producing. Were producing before this all came around, and you know, hopefully, it's going to be good enough to see uh, to see Leeds back in the Premier League next year. I think yeah. you do. You can see that because it disappeared for a while that the players actually care about the club. Like from yeah, my definitely. point of view, it definitely disappeared for quite a while when it was all about turmoil at the top and you know money this and money that but now they're actually playing for the club and for each other which is great to see and you can yeah it is yeah they're 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 good they're a good bunch of lads as well and you know they're i think they understand the responsibility that they have to to the supporters to get that club back where it where it should be you know it's it's been far too long it's it's a better premier league with Leeds united and its supporters in it definitely So we've obviously we've had a lot of football chat there. So let's we are a cricket podcast, by the way. So we've we've obviously spoken about you being a dodgy wicketkeeper batsman. I know you're a big fan of cricket as well, and you follow you follow Yorkshire quite avidly. Yeah. Uh, where did your love of cricket come from? And yeah, like how did you get into the game? Obviously, being down in Cornwall. Um, school started at school. I was lucky enough to play Cornwall schools cricket and Cornwall schools rugby. I uh, wasn't good enough for Cornwall Schools football, but, but managed cricket and rugby. So I played, uh, then joined a cricket club, St. Austell Cricket Club, which was um, probably about three quarters of a mile from where I lived um, and, and played cricket probably for a couple of summers before I started playing football. So it was cricket during the summer and, and football during the winter. You play in the A-Wolf League now, don't you, Nige? Uh, not anymore. I I I, uh, I played for Leeds Mods as they are now for um, I think eight or nine seasons. But uh, last season we uh, I, I I moved to Nairsborough, so I play for Nairsborough now in the um, York and District oh, Senior right. Cricket League. So um, is, is that the uh, is that is that the old man's league that now? Uh, no, it's it's actually it's quite um, it's Johnny Tats's old club. So yeah, it's, um, I was just about to say it's Johnny Tats's uh, neck of the woods, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, no, it's 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 probably I, I would I would say the league that we play in, which is Div One, is probably the equivalent somewhere between Division One and Two of their Wharf League. So it's still you know still a decent standard. Good. We'll have to send uh, Johnny Tats up for a couple of wicket keeping sessions with you, Nigel. Yeah, that 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 would be lovely. He um, we we do a um, a team quiz on a Saturday uh, around five o'clock, and and Tats actually joined uh, joined the quiz last week and uh, you know played oh, good. He was, uh, uh, it, it didn't win but he was he was up there yeah he's he's, he's quite our, intelligent um, lad for a cricketer this year he's uh what they call it rich fine chairman, chairman. So, social chairman basically um so he's organized a few quizzes for us okay you know to get us together and stuff so he's, he's been pretty good as tats yeah no it's um, good it's um we've only been doing it a couple of weeks i ha- i happen to win the first one so then the responsibility goes to whoever wins has got to produce the quiz so as as you can imagine my tech skills on here uh, <laughs> were were put to the test but uh, all my questions my daughter wrote them all down and and all i had to do was press a button and all the questions came up on the screen and everyone was really impressed but it was nothing to do with me (laughs) (laughs) good I suppose Nigel you know when you've you've played professional football all your life and then to finish playing and then just go play cricket for a bit of fun with some friends I bet it's quite a nice release really just going and play sport with no pressure it is um, I I kind of always put a little bit of pressure on it because it, it's it's still really important to me so you know it's the start of every season right you know let's see if we can get promoted let's see you know let's see yeah. if we can win something so I, I take it really serious I, I start about February and I, I go on the cross trainer and start getting really fit and lose all the uh, the pounds that I put on over the, over the winter get down to my playing weight so I'm you know I got down to the way Sounds I was familiar that yeah <laughs> get, get get really fit for it and um you know work really hard and 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 take it seriously but on the flip side you know enjoy you know being in that team environment you know teammates uh, in the dressing room having the same laughs at a different standard that you you had in a football changing room you know you're having with you know some some cricket guys i mean paul robinson even played a couple of games for nairsborough last year so there were there were two or three he games that we play played together again did he <laughs> no, no. It was quite funny at the end. Of, at the end of the first game, I gave him my boots and said, "Can you can you give them a clean?" Because he was my uh, he was my boot boy for a couple of years. 
we, we did have a giggle about it, but um, yeah, we uh, we played at some places, and the faces of uh, some of the players that we were playing against were obviously Leeds fans. When there's sort of two Leeds goalkeepers or England goalkeepers there, suddenly just turn up for their club. It's good fun. Bet they were like, "Don't Nick off, boys!" Got an unbelievable slip card in these two. <laughs> like, just you two stood there, like yeah. covering covering five slips. Uh, Robbo probably didn't take his um, his fitness quite as seriously, so right. he's actually more at mid on, just out the way a little bit. <laughs> Good. I, I've got I've got a question for you, Nigel. So I, you know you love your cricket. So if yeah. you could play one last game of professional sport, which would you choose to play for England v Germany at Wembley, or to play for England v Australia at Lords? Well, I probably wouldn't do better, very well in either. Uh, I'd, I'd take cricket now all day because I've done the football thing. You know, it's I, I get really excited if, if we go to a really nice ground and it, it looks really nice and, and almost sort of professional. I get I get really excited about playing there. So I've done the football stuff. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd pick Lords, I think. What? Went down what? a couple of years ago with my wife and had a, had a tour and everything. And I think, I, you know, I think I could get a, a modest three. <laughs> <laughs> What would you describe yourself, how, like, how would you describe yourself as a cricketer? For, for me and Rich, we already know this, but there's sort of three or four regular characteristics. You've obviously got your badges, you know, that could pull out every stat from the first game to the last one they ever played. Are you, you know, you don't really care about your kit, every, you know, you sort of just like, oh, I'll just play for the laugh and a few beers. Are you one of these lads who, you know, is so particular about all the kit that, you know, you've got to have your black tape around your handle and all this. Like, like Rich was quite vain. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, how do you, I, how do you I carry on. Well, I'm not as bad as Rich because I don't put the mirror in the bag as well. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but uh, I, I wash my own kit and I make sure it's all obviously clean and and all packed in my bag. Sort of, it's probably done by. Monday <laughs> and it's really? ready to go and I'd literally then just count down the days I'm, I'm a bit of a saddo I've actually got an app on my phone that you know the last game of the the season it's usually 210 days before you start because we play obviously for 22 weeks yeah. 52 weeks yes you've got 30 weeks of no cricket and so I put the I've got the countdown on my app so uh, you know I, I, I do I do <laughs> look good. for that's proper badger it, yeah, it is. But I, 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 I don't worry about averages and things like that, no. no I feel it's, it's so funny. sorry for you right now, let's be honest. <laughs> like, I, feel, like, I really do feel for you. I can see that look in your eye. You, it's, it's the sadness about the season not starting is affecting you a lot more than it's affecting us, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I think, I think it probably <laughs> will do, you know, because we're... Um, you know, it's it's part time for us. It's obviously a job for you guys, and there are days when it's it's harder than other days. But for us, on a you know, just to turn up on a Saturday, it's it's really easy um, to do. But when you're uh, pushing fifty four, the knees are, are not got many more years in them. I don't think so. Uh, if I'm if I miss one season now at the moment, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be gutted. But it is what it is. So you must have played with some great players over the years. Uh, obviously, we're talking football now, not cricket at old mods. Uh, apart from Jason Robinson, of course. Uh, who stands out most and why? Oh, dear. Best player I think I played with was probably Gaza. My first under-21, England under-21 game was in Switzerland. And I was still at Bristol Rovers at the time. And so the level of football I'd been used to was completely different to, you know, Gaza was playing first team at, at Tottenham. So uh, for him to go past three players in our 18-yard box when he could have just knocked it back to me and I'm screaming for the ball, um, was, it, was, it was different to see um, somebody with that amount of ability. And he, and he just turned around after he'd done it and said, don't worry about it when I've got it, sort of thing. Um, oh, I and I just, I just loved him as a footballer. You know, there was, it, was, it was carefree, but he had so much talent. And he was a good lad as well. So um, he's probably about the best, I think, that I play with. You know, I've obviously what about that, some... uh, that lead side, Nigel? Uh, my, my hero growing up with David Batty. I used to think of myself a bit of a, a David Batty in the midfield. What, what, yeah. Who was the players that stood out from that era in the Leeds team? <sighs> um, well, Bats was, was, a, was a great great player I think slightly underestimated his, his passing ability was was incredible the more the crowd said shoot the more determined he was not 
going to shoot. That's the type of guy he is. You know, uh, I roomed with him for a while and um, he sort of said, I, I, I'm, I'm your teammates, but I'm never going to be your friends. And, and when I finish, you, you just won't see me again. And nobody has to be fair. He's just completely gone off the radar. Um, but he's, uh, he's a, he's a, he was a proper good player. Uh, good lad around the changing room and things like that, but you know we we had quite a lot. You know, defensively, you look at you know having Rio, Jonathan Woodgate was a really good centre half. Yeah. Lucas Radaby was a great centre half. Alan Smith, um, yeah, like Smith you, could, you could literally list them, couldn't you? Kewell, yeah, Kewell, yeah. yeah. Harry was probably our sort of spark, really. You know, it was Bats always used to say, you know, if he ever got the ball, he just looked left because it's. He said, "Hey, it's an easy pass with my right foot." But he said, you just give the ball to your best player, you know, the one who's going to create something. And, you know, more often than not, he did. That's who Rich was more like, I reckon, Harry Kewell. I bet he had a mirror in his kit bag, didn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah, there was, there was a few. Brezzy, it's better than having four burgers in my bag like you have. <laughs> I knew I'd get you. I knew I'd get you. And I knew it wouldn't take long. Literally, I've been fishing for a bite for pretty much all of this episode so far. And you, I've just broken you. It's hurting that. Gary Balance. Balance. Gary Balance. We'll move on to a few Twitter questions. Uh, we put uh, we put it on Twitter the other day and a few questions have come in for you. I think there's a bit of a story behind this first one, Nigel. I think I remember it from when I went to your uh, cricket dinner. But uh, this one's from Lewis and it says, what's the strangest way that you've ever injured yourself? <laughs> Yeah, cuckoo. It's not Lewis. It's cuckoo because he's absolutely crazy as on the on the on the cricket pitch. Um, yeah, I um, I once ruined half a season at a village fete on a Sunday, welly wanging. I ripped my bicep <laughs> tendon off. <laughs> so uh, it it was a pound a go, and I was winning. And then this big guy came in and threw the welly, and it sort of went a few inches past mine. So the guy who was running it came up to me and said, "See that guy? But he's just beating your throw." And he said, "There's five minutes left. Do you want to have another go?" So I paid me quid, threw the first one, and it it beat it beat it. So I could have stopped there, but I'm in Yorkshire now, so it's three goes for a quid. So I thought I'm going to get me three goes. <laughs> so uh, I I got the second one. I thought I'm really going to let this go and and I threw it and as I did I felt something inside my sort of arm go but there was no pain or anything so I thought oh that's a bit strange but I moved my arm around and everything felt fine so I went to throw it as like the f- third and final throw and I sort of got three quarters way through the throw and sort of just let go and tried to sort of stop and the, the boot went about two feet in front of me my missus went Oh, that was pathetic. <laughs> like that. And then I just I, I like heard a noise and felt something inside my arm and I thought, this is really weird. And then everyone said, You look really pale. And I said, Well, I feel all right. But um there was a a, a guy there that worked uh, at St. James's and he came over and he just sort of prodded around. He went, Yeah, you've ripped your bicep tendon off. And I the first thing I said to him was, How many weeks before I can play cricket again? Because this, oh, wow. this was in early June and he went, six months. And I was like, oh no! So it was um, it was a, a long way back, but um, at least he's at least he's give you an honest answer. Our physio just says six to eight weeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> safe. Yeah, yeah. Every yeah, single dice it. Yeah, six weeks. Be all right. Uh, we got one from Matthew Fisher. Obviously, you might you've met Matthew Fisher. Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's he's in fact, they've nicked one of our bowlers this year. We had a young lad. We had a young lad uh, play for us last year, and. Uh, and Sheriff Hutton Bridge is uh, Matty's old Bridge. team of uh, of of nicked him for this season, so he's, he obviously did something well. Right, okay, mm. done that um, to a few, I think. Yeah, they have <laughs> the bridge. So there's there's Methley and the bridge. All the young lads are all all over their league cricket. Love it. But yeah. Uh, so he's he's basically asking, what's the best team with players that you've played with? Uh, you can choose the formation. He said, you will hate this, but you have to pick yourself. Yeah, he does know that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't pick myself. Well, I I got prepared for this, and uh, oh, have you? I I I I wrote it down, and my son has sent it to me on my uh, on my phone. So I'm looking at my phone. So if I've got a playing goal, I'll play. But I got uh, Gary Kelly at right back. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Rio Ferdinand, Lucas Radaby, and Tony Dorigo. That is a solid, solid back. I like that. What you got there? Four back four, isn't it? Back for yeah, uh, midfield four of uh, Mikel Arteta, right midfield, David Batty and Thomas Gravison, centre midfield, uh, Wayne Rooney, left midfield, 
Right. You'll have to, wow. you'll have to be coming off there. And up front, <laughs> I would go with Ian Wright and Mark Viduka. Well, that's a good. Yeah, that is a good. I'm more solid impressed. Team. You've, gone, you've gone for the old school four four two. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm more that old school. We'd we'd probably get picked off in midfield all day long, but uh, hopefully with Wright and Viduka up front, you'll score enough goals to cope with that. I like that. Much, you've not got much pace, have you? On uh, wing backs, you can't play two wing backs there, can you? No. Although Tony well, had a bit about him. Kelly and Tony Torigo, they'll they'll they both had good engines and were quick. Yeah. They'll, They'll do the uh, do the legwork. Lovely, it's good team. Lovely stuff. Yeah. Okay. Next question's from Matthew Stead. Did he watch any of the 1990 FA Cup semi-final coverage on the BBC recently? Ian Wright chose the final as one of his match of the days. And if so, what are his memories of that time of his career? Uh, yeah, I, I did watch it. Um, there was a lot of things on on Twitter about you know saying it was going to come up. So. Uh, I did. I did have a watch, and it was um, yeah. It stirred up a few um, emotions of the day. Cup semi-final played at Villa Park. Liverpool had beaten Crystal Palace nine nil earlier that season, which probably got me my move <laughs> or helped get me my move to Crystal Palace. So we went in as huge underdogs. I remember the supporters all had uh, red and blue balloons at one end, and it just sort of the sea of colour and everything. And to be honest, you know, we went as big underdogs and. You know, to to play a game and and to beat what was the easily the best side in the country at the time after extra time was was incredible. So yeah, it was it was good to watch. Really enjoyed watching it and uh, brought brought back good memories. Would you say that that would be your best celebration after a game, or would you have many others? Cool celebrations. It wasn't bad. The chairman ended up in the bath with his suit on. It, it it's really odd because. Celebrating, you, you kind of celebrate the win, and then you, you guys will know it's yeah. like you jump back on the coach, and there's a few beers on the coach on the way back. And then, I mean, all the wives and people's family all got sort of they, they'd all gone on buses as well. So we literally got back to the training ground, and then people sort of got cabs home. It didn't carry on in the yeah, same way, really. You know, that there was nothing planned. Obviously, they didn't think we were going to win, but you know, there wasn't any uh, any any sort of uh, big do planned or anything. So I think um, I think I I'd, I'd got a cab home. Amanda sort of got home uh, as well, and uh, I we had some of her family were up as well, and we just went to the local and sort of celebrated in there. Uh, it was quite good. Good. I still remember Asbury's. You know, when we won the championship, we we didn't even get out of our whites. We were still in our whites at four a.m. Uh, yeah, brilliant. The first in 2014 when we won the championship, we'd finished by what. 12 o'clock yeah all, um, all day in our whites still in the hotel bar at 4am in our whites and it's it, those are the things you look back on out there when yeah. you finish you know, like myself who finished my career I don't think back to the, the runs and the wickets or the games it's it's times like that when you're celebrating with your friends it, it makes it really special so Love those, love those stories. That, that's that's why you do it, isn't it? That's that's really why we play there for those sort of moments. You know, it's it's great to have the achievements on the field, and and winning the championship is is sort of like the highest sort of thing that you can do. But then uh, to have the memories that you all sort of forge and yeah. little stories that you know, the things that happen on the on on the night, you know, it's 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 quite strange. The next day when they go, do you remember so and so doing that? And you go. Oh yeah, I'd forgotten that. Yeah. <laughs> still coming back to us now. Moments. Well, those stories yeah, are still yeah. coming out for us. Actually, doing this podcast has brought out a few stories like that where we've gone, did he? Oh, that was, that's brilliant. Could you tell us the top three behind-the-scenes stories or pranks or anything from the time that you spent you know, in and around dressing rooms, could be, you know, football or cricket, because we know pranks happen in cricket, probably more so than football. Fire away. Yeah, um, right. We, uh, at Leeds, we had a, a time where, it's a bit naughty really, but, you know, when you're in hotel rooms and away games, uh, you know, the little eye holes that you can look out through your, um, your door. Yeah. So if you get on the outside of those, you can actually unscrew them and then you can, poke the uh the the other piece that it's uh, screwed onto through so it gets rid of that so it's just a hole in the door now and we used to get the fire extinguisher knock on the door look through the holes until like which <laughs> players walking towards <laughs> and then set the uh, set the fire extinguisher off straight in the face so that those sort of things would would go on i mean that got taken to a uh you know a whole new level you know so hotel rooms have generally got those um 
squares in the roof that you can lift up you know players have crawled in through that space and then taken the uh gone into the next room and the fire extinguisher down through the roof and things like that <laughs> uh in hotels so that's that, that that sort of went on for a fair bit which kills the monotony gary kelly on a christmas night out um it was cowboys and indians theme kells shaved both sides of his head and had a perfect natural mohican uh, and went out dressed as an indian and then he had a plastic tomahawk and we were in Leeds and we came out of a bar and Kells jumped. There was a bus stop outside and the doors opened and Kells jumped on and started trying to scalp the bus driver. <laughs> and the bus driver just completely panicked, thought he was really getting attacked. So we had to, <laughs> we had to get out of town pretty quick. Um, so so that, that was up there. That's, uh, that's um, Gary Kelly was probably the worst um, for that. Good commitment to fancy dress, though. That yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, Kells would always go the extra, the extra yard. They usually get one or two that uh, uh, go above and beyond. You know, most people will go to a fancy dress shop and get an outfit, and that's it. But Kells, you know, did, did the lot. And I remember on an England get together, there was a, a time when people would do other people's rooms so like you know bucket of water in the bed you know this sort of thing so you got to sleep and in wet and um it was jonathan woodgate's first england trip and me and bats did his room so he uh, woody was sat at the table bats had nicked his key card you know we slipped off wet his bed tipped his room completely upside down took all his clothes out just messed his room up completely and he, uh, it was, it was Kevin Keegan actually saw me and Bats jumping out the window <laughs> and said, what the hell are you doing? And we're going, oh, it's just, just an initiation for Woody. So he, he was in on it. He loved it, did Keegan. So we did it. But then um, I actually uh, set something up. So I got my key card, but I'd moved rooms without uh, Woody knowing. And uh, I think David Seaman had got injured and Dave always had one of the big rooms and the rest of us always had all the like the usual little room. So I, I said to uh, the lady who was in charge, can, can I have uh, Dave Seaman's room because he's gone? And she went, yeah, of course you can. So I moved into the big room and then just left a few bits of kit in the other room and then left my key card on the side and saw Woody take it and go and do the <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I then went up to Kevin Keegan's and got him in on it and said, look, Woody's done done a room. He's trying to get me back. But can you seriously like pretend to have a go at him about it? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so uh, and we got the we got the manager of the hotel that we knew really well as well. And we we sort of said, you know, can you report it and everything? So Woody got sort of hauled up in front of the manager of the England team and the manager of the hotel, and he was absolutely bricking it. <laughs> and it was all just a big setup. So that was that was quite a good prank. <laughs> that is good. That is good. Love it. It's good, isn't it? Whatever sport you're in, it's it's the same always, isn't it? There's banter going on, pranks yeah. being played, and that's you know it's big big part of being part of a team and part of a professional sport. So it's I love the, I love those stories. Yeah, I do. I mean, they can backfire on you. When we you know we lost to Cardiff in the in the FA Cup, I I had a rascal pair of shoes that had some tassels on them, and oh, they, no. they were they were awful, <laughs> and. Um, Obviously, I'd gone out to warm up and um, and everything, and then we played the game. And it came in after the after the game, and uh, somebody <laughs> had cut my socks, the end of my socks off. And but they cut they cut the tassels off my shoes, but had placed them back on there. So the manager uh, David O'Leary's actually gone spare at us and had a right rollicking at us and and everything. And and you know we sort of sat there and taken it and then sort of gone out of the shower and then come back and I'm putting my stuff on and I've, I've just pulled my sock and my foot's gone right through and and he's looking at it and he's shaking his head and then I pick up my shoe and the tassel sort of fall <laughs> off the shoe <laughs> and then we we all got an absolute another rollicking off him sort of uh, along the lines of um, you know it's you can't waste money like that they were a good shoes it's a waste of money <laughs> and all things and, you know and you're busy doing this instead of focusing on the game so we all uh, we all got a rollicking I mean I was quite innocent in it because it, it was it was aimed at me but um, sounds like you'd had a visit from the Yorkshire snipper yeah yeah, yeah I've, I've heard there's somebody that might uh, might be doing that in the uh, or did that a few years ago now isn't it that's yeah, is, he, is he still well, around it's still, it's still going on now with you know I don't know if it's the same person or it's been passed down but it's amazing it's been going 20, nearly 20 years now wow so you've just got to think who's been there that length of time <laughs> yeah 
And we're looking at him now. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I can see. That. I actually, I actually, in the circle of trust, last couple of weeks, I have admitted to doing a few snips. Yeah. I, I reckon that if you asked most players, they've at least done one snip. That's that's my guess. At, at least. least one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's little things like that that just you, you've got to have a good sort of uh, banter around your change room because if you all get on really well like that and can have a laugh, you know, you're going to go out on the pitch and. And, and and put out for each other out there as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah especially in cricket as well, because you know we spend so much time in the dressing room. And the four day games last, you know, we're there nearly ten hours for the day. So yeah, if you haven't got get that, rain. that <laughs> get rain, yeah, it's a nightmare keeping lads busy. But you know, you've got to have that, and it keeps lads on the toes, and it's what creates a good atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Right, shall we move on? We've got covers off um, quick fire, but we, we're going to call this the football edition. Um, okay. Obviously, we've got to change sort of tact a little bit. Right, here we go. So, earliest, earliest memory of football? Earliest memory of football? Um, playing as a nine-year-old as a right winger for St. Austell Rangers um, in under 11s. Uh, I was two years under, but I was allowed to play as an under under nine, wanted to play in goal, wasn't allowed to, which was all the way through my school and uh, sort of schoolboy sort of football career. I had to play outfield, so always wanted to be a goalkeeper, never allowed to. Do you know what? That's unbelievable because it's usually the other way, isn't it? Like yeah. Kids are, kids are busting to get out of the net rather than into the net. That's, that's fascinating. Uh, footballing hero? <sighs> Goalkeepers. Um, doesn't have to be a goalkeeper. Could be anyone. Yeah, no, but it was goalkeepers. I mean, it was um, it was the likes of uh, sort of it was it was around England at the time. Um, so it was Ray Clements, Peter Shilton um, were the were the goalies of of the time playing for England. Obviously, you know there wasn't a live sport on the telly. You know the the only live games were the FA Cup final and the odd England game. So you didn't you didn't see an awful lot of uh, of them. So uh, it was probably them two were were vying for the England shirt at the time when I was. Probably most influenced. Professional debut. Professional debut, 1987, Bristol Rovers versus Rotherham at uh, Twerton Park Bath. And we won 3-1. And this was a week, you know, I said uh, we were due to get married. Amanda had her 18th birthday on the 10th of August. I had my 21st birthday on the 11th of August. Made my debut on the 15th of August. And then that was a Saturday. The following Monday, the 17th of August, we got married in Cornwall and then drove back up to Bristol for training the next day. So all in a week, that's sort of uh, what happened. So, uh, yeah, well, I remember, no wonder, I remember it. No wonder you remember it so fondly then. Absolutely. I'd be in trouble if I didn't. <laughs> Correct. Exactly what I was thinking. Uh, best game that you've ever had in goal? Um, I don't know. Most people say Roma away, uh, UEFA Cup. The second year we played them. So we played them two years running and we lost 1-0 and drew 0-0. We lost 1-0 over there and drew 0-0 the first year. And then the second year we drew them again and we drew nil-nil over there and beat them at home one-nil. And it was it was a good way of seeing how the club had got better over, yeah. over the course of a year and we had improved. Um, but the game over there in the Olympic Stadium, I had quite a bit to do. <laughs> I, had, I had lots of things to do, none, none of which I kind of think if I'd have let any of them in, I would have been disappointed. But I just had lots of things to do and, you know, they obviously had a, a lot of the ball but kept a clean sheet and that was... That was satisfying. Solid. You prefer being solid than spectacular. I get that yeah. impression. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, favorite favorite ground to play at? Um, old Wembley Stadium. Uh, uh, it was just something about that place. Uh, watching uh, FA Cup finals as as a kid growing up, and you know the the two big towers and everything, and then just. <sighs> Just everything about the place. I, I, I just loved, you know, the first time I ever, you know, got there and actually sort of wandered around it. I was just totally in awe and uh, it was a real shame when that went. I bet, to be fair, I, I never went. So been to a new <laughs> one, but I never went to old one. Um, was that a house phone, by the way? That was a house phone, yeah. Do you know what? I, that's, I was like, what's that noise? I can't place that, that noise. Like, I've, I've not had a house phone for, 
I reckon a decade. <laughs> um, somebody, to de- somebody to defend your box. So we, we, as a cricket term, we say somebody to bat for your life. So some, one of the best defenders that you've played with to defend your box. I'll choose Lucas Redderby. He just put everything on the line every time he played for Leeds. When I first got to the club, I remember the physio saying his knees were shot to bits at that time. There's barely any cartilage left in them. And he probably played about another seven seasons like that. He would just, he would go out, you know, he was that wounded soldier every time going out, would take all the kicks and everything that that came with it, but um, always produced. So got a lot of respect for Lucas. Messiest in the dressing room. Um, Tough um, question this, because don't you get all your stuff sort of laid out and... Yeah, it, it it is really. I mean, I can understand that as a cricket question when bags get open and, you know, especially oh, yeah. if, you're, if you're keeping wicket or if you're bowling and then you've got to get a different load of kit out for batting and stuff. It oh, can get thrown around. Relentless. I reckon a few of the lads in our dressing room just put a, like, just chuck a couple of grenades into the bottom of their kit bag. Brizzy, you're one at worst. I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> you are. Even your wife says you are. And yet, Rich, you come across as being, I bet yours is immaculate. You know, everything is absolutely <laughs> perfectly in place. Yeah, you're right. I've got no, folded. no CD. Folded like in shots. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not as bad as I'm our director, bench. Martin Boxer. He's a different level, but I'm certainly uh, getting that way, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. So, so at football, yeah, shirt would be hung up on a hanger, short socks, towel, boots would be there, my glove bag. So there weren't really... You know, it wasn't much yeah, chance didn't of have anything to do. Really, no. Yeah. So, who's the vainest, uh, vainest, vainest <laughs> footballer you've ever come across? Um, got to be careful how I answer that. <laughs> there's, there's a few um, that would. Robbo was always one that would do his hair literally a minute before he's going out. Whereas, like, if if I was out there and was sweating because I'd done a really hard warm up and covered in mud. Yeah, I just put my kit on and just went, you know, it did, just doesn't bother me. But Robbo would be, you know, he'd be in the mirror doing his hair and things like this. A few, a few of the lads, Harry was another. Especially on TV. Yeah, yeah. I for me, I you know, I I guess you know, if you look at people like Neville Neville Southall, I'd, I'd much rather. I mean, that sort of uh, bracket myself, you know, just chuck it on, no matter what you look like, just go out and do your best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I'm I'm like that, and Rich is the former. Especially when the, the sky cameras are there. Yeah, bros, yeah. Uh, three people living or dead to have dinner with. Oh, crumbs. I guess with VE Day gone around the corner, I'd go for Winston Churchill and have a chat what that would have been like um, for, for him. Oh, that's put me on the spot. Who else would I want to speak to? That's tough. Probably I'd have to get a, a, a cricket-based one and Alex Stewart or somebody like that and get some good cricket England stories. Yeah, um, Stewie's good. And uh, that is tough when you when you when you're not prepared for it. Probably an Oliver Reed or somebody like that to get absolutely um, hammered with at the end of it all. <laughs> <laughs> right, Nige, um, absolute pleasure having you on. It's been a great insight into your journey, but also for us, being you know a different sport. So it's uh, been a pleasure to listen to. And uh, thanks for coming on. And um, hope you stay safe, mate. Yeah, absolutely pleasure. Thanks for. Thanks for being so open and honest with us as well, Nigel, and sharing a few of your stories and anecdotes. It's been fantastic. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. Different, great to get a different perspective from, you know, how it used to be in football rather than cricket. So thank you. No, I really enjoyed it. Stay safe. See you, you soon. Too, You've been listening to Covers Off podcast from Yorkshire County Cricket Club with me, Richard Pirate, alongside Tim Bresnan. Any questions for us throughout the week, tweet us at Tim Bresnan and at Richard Pirate. Remember to subscribe to our podcast and if you miss any episodes, you can download them from Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as your usual podcast service. Cheers, guys. Thanks very much. Stay safe and goodbye.